is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. start live streaming on my channel and the Desperate Mothers on a weekly basis. I think it's super important in building up our fan base. I think our fan base really at this point would benefit greatly from more one-on-one and they would get a chance to be a more one-on-one now than ever before. And really live streaming is a way to produce instant content and have something up on the websites, on the channels to let people really know who we are at their leisure rather than wait for the crowds to come to us before we like deem it worth our time to live stream let's let's include the four dozen subscribers on my channel and the 10 dozen on the desperate mother's channel you know i mean that's you know almost 200 people we should really be treating like the family and friends that they are (laughs) i think they support us more than our family and friends yeah, uh, I, I'm amiable to uh, to live streaming. I would like a little bit of warning because I I would prefer to maybe choose what shirt I was wearing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I didn't want to spring it on you tonight. And maybe whether I shaved or not before I showed up. Okay. Well, I don't think that's really important, <laughs> especially in this hipster generation. I mean, you just might want to wax the beard a little bit. Uh, no, I, I I don't wax or, or put on a put on a plaid shirt. That way you can look like suitably hairy and and urban lumberjack, which I guess is the hipster style right now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really urban hipster myself, but I I would prefer to look slightly more groomed than possibly I am at the moment. Or you put some thought into the way you present yourself. Like pick a style. Well, it's like it's like. Like we talk about directors, directors have certain styles, right? You got the Michael Bay and the and the James Guns and stuff. They wear those fitted, chic, button-down uh, shirts with the open collars, right? You know the really stylish stuff. Or you've got the, the Ron Howard baseball cap. You've got the Kevin Smith jersey and denim jorts, right? Sure. Right. I mean. Directors and personalities—they have a—they have a—they have a clothing style that says this is what I am. You know, I've got a couple friends that wear do berets or they do military type canvas jackets. You know, it's just—I don't know that I'm really looking to project a style. Uh, rather, I would prefer not to look like a fat slop. Like, uh, I'm going to start getting black jerseys and put my stuff, my. Uh, my character logos on them. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna be like <laughs> the Kevin Smith that never made it. <laughs> I, I think you already are. <laughs> yeah, so what happens when Kevin Smith didn't make Clerks? Right here, that's me. <laughs> if you just talk, we joke all the time. But I mean, that's why I call it the Desperate Mothers because midlife crisis is staring you down, and it's it's. <laughs> do or literally die you know what happens i mean in life if you don't do you die right yeah you um when you stagnate you you perish yeah what what was that phrase in the 80s for uh academics right who didn't publish or perish perish. yeah yeah Yeah. now you're gonna perish anyway (laughs) 
Hopefully you've published something. Well, I mean, if you if you don't publish, you perish sooner. But right. that didn't quite roll off the tongue like right. publish or perish. Publish or perish sooner. So I, I got the applications for exhibit space at WonderCon and San Diego here. Ooh. And we're looking at booth space. Booth space is a premium. So <clears throat> it doesn't surprise me to know that booth space for San Diego Comic-Con, the International Comic-Con, I should say, because it's in San Diego, but it's the International Comic-Con, it's $3,450 for a 10 by 10 booth. You better start cranking out some more videos, man. Yeah, yeah. If you pay by December 1st, you can save $700. It's only $2,750. But got about 20 that days is a left. Pretty significant savings. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty. the chances of you defecating how much twenty seven hundred dollars? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't think I have enough blood in my body. Yeah, to sell. And that's the deal, you know. I mean, is it worth the exposure? Is it? I mean, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of people there, but if you're not a name, do they care? Um. Well, I mean, I, I certainly think that we can make people care. I, we demonstrated that at at. Other cons that we've exhibited at. Provided we bring the puppets. You bring the puppets, and um, as we've also demonstrated, it's one thing to make people care, but if they don't have something to care about after the con, it's kind of a waste of money. It goes away. So we generated a lot of positive sentiment from people that saw us at, uh, at Kamikaze a couple of years ago. But then uh, we failed to deliver content for them to continue to embrace. Dude, we are chock full of life lessons and examples for people not to follow. I mean, you, you, will, get, you will get reward from listening to us. <laughs> because we will tell you exactly what not to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, do as... Do as we say, do not as, as we, we didn't did. Do. Yeah. do as we didn't do. But a table space, you know, in the, in the general Comic-Con table, that's $1,100. And we could do damage with the table. Oh, yeah. We, we did damage with the table. So that might be on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not a booth. Not unless, you know, videos blow up. But... Table for eleven hundred bucks. Now we're moving on to WonderCon, which happens in March. An exhibit space, a standard booth in WonderCon, is seventeen hundred dollars. And uh, that's for a booth. It's for a booth, ten by yeah. ten booth. Um, and early payments out the window because this is fast approaching. Sure. And a table is seven hundred dollars. Okay. So. There's that. And a small press, if you can get to it, it's 300 now the, the WonderCon, that's going to be at what convention center? Anaheim. Anaheim. It's going to be Anaheim this Ooh, year. That's one that has the, uh, the like, arena attached to it. I believe so, yeah. yeah. We like the venue. And it's real close to Disneyland. So usually I could talk the wife into coming along, and she can go to Disneyland, and we do our con stuff. So it's right there on Catella Avenue. Um, but yeah, we've been there too. 
But that's coming up March 23rd to 25th. The WonderCon's coming up uh, July 19th to 22nd. And I'm really leaning toward the table for uh, Comic-Con. Um, unless, you know, <laughs> French Onion or somebody busts out big. Okay, so I, I do have to ask, what are the dates this year for for San Diego Comic-Con? On July 19th to 22. Ooh, that's rough. Is that your anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk the spouse into a San Diego? Uh, yeah, on your anniversary, anniversary day, you would have to be MIA for the con, <laughs> but you'd be able to get all the days around it, right? Yeah, you can like Airbnb something out there, and there's a lot of nice places. Like oh yeah, that. I mean there there's a hotel at the Gas Lamp that I thought was super nice. Um, not the Bay stuff, because the Bay stuff, you're paying eight, eleven $1,100 a night. But there's some $300 a night, nice places down there by the convention center. Oh, my God, $300 a night. <laughs> and you were bitching about the uh, the $200 a night we split for the hotel for L.A. Comic-Con. That was a nice fucking hotel. <laughs> it was a nice hotel. Uh, Conveniently located, too. We got to walk. We yeah. didn't have to Uber. It, no Uber required. Do and you... once we figured out the best shortcut. <laughs> if we had known the shortcut uh, on at the beginning of day one, mm-hmm. it would have cut five minutes off of our walk. Oh, five whole minutes, yeah. like a couple of times. <laughs> maybe not even five, uh, maybe two minutes. It was, it was just like <laughs> cut, in the, cut a little to the right and not go around the next corner. It was, it really it was... was the difference between going diagonally and... And walking around a corner, around right angles. Yeah, exactly. So, but I really enjoyed the Comic Con. I kind of, I don't know. I, I really should have talked to more people, like more of the celebrities. You know, I don't do the celebrity thing. I really don't do the celebrity thing. I think I talk to more celebrities on on Twitter and Facebook and all of that than I do like if they're standing right in front of me. Well, um, I did manage to cross off one of my my bucket list items. Um, I, I wanted Stanley's autograph. You got you got more than Stanley's autograph. I, I, I got more than Stanley's autograph. I got his autograph, and I got a what turned out to be a complimentary photo op. And we don't need to go into details of how it ended up being complimentary. It's not really but, like a meet and greet because he didn't really care that you were there. No, it was definitely not a meet and greet. The meet and greets were part of the super deluxe VIP. It's like package. an extra thousand bucks or something. Yeah, like that. and there's no way that I could have done that. Um, Granted, what you got cost in the neighborhood of 250 300 bucks. Well, yeah, if I'd paid for all of it. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the the autograph, $120. The, the, the photo op was... $140? Uh, $140 plus $10 for the digital download. Did you get that? Yes. Oh, nice. So it was $150. So $150. Uh, so between the, the autograph and the photo op... It was uh, valued at uh, $270. Wow. That's, and there were hundreds, if not thousands of people paying that. And I, I think all of us that were in the lines for the autograph and the photo op, uh, we were happy. We were happy to give them our money. Take our money. We want an autograph and a photograph of Stan. And, but they were cranking those out uh, roughly five or ten seconds per 
uh, autograph or photograph. Yeah, really. Okay, I love Stanley. I really do. I, we all do. I think we all do. He's but they were totally weakened at Bernie Stanley, <laughs> <laughs> except he wasn't dead. <laughs> he is, in fact, still alive. But um. but they're practically <laughs> moving his hand for him and setting him up for the pictures and stuff. Um, you know, um, if I am that coherent. And pleasant when I am 95, 95 years old. Yeah. Uh, I will be a happy man. If they were weakened and burning you. Um, so I, I I am happy with my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am happy that I got my, my comic book autograph and I got my photo op. And I happily shelled out uh, the money that I, that I contributed. And not only that, while you were like, while we were scouting Stan, you ended up with... Uh, Nichelle Nichols. Uh, I was able to seize the opportunity. Um, Nichelle Nichols, uh, she had set up with the, I forget what the the organization is. They do a, a touring museum that has a replica of the bridge from the original Star Trek series. Uh, if and you, you could have got a picture on the bridge too. I could have, um, but it was a it was a wonderful experience. Nichelle Nichols was pleasant, uh, responsive, uh, talkative, um, charming, and uh, her people let us take multiple photographs. Uh, well, yeah, I had to learn your camera. They, they didn't threaten to confiscate our camera, <laughs> <laughs> like Stan's people did when you're like trying to surreptitiously snap some photos. They're like, "Hey, you, I, you!" I, I had my camera hanging around my neck, and uh, I was allowing it to rest on my stomach, and with my thumb, I was actuating the shutter. And one, and they, of, they, they, one of Stan Lee's uh, security looked at me and said, hey, you, pretending not to take pictures, <laughs> put the camera away or we'll compensate your camera. <laughs> just like, wow. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure he's a nice person and all, but you had to feel like you were endangering his meal ticket. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I I was happy with my experience and the the photo op that i had with Nichelle nichols uh, i i grew up on star trek i grew up with captain kirk and uhura and uh mr spock and uh chekhov and sulu so getting to meet uhura uh she was such a strong and powerful character on the original series um Getting to meet Nichelle Nichols, uh, it was a wonderful experience, um, and it it made uh, it made my uh, my LA Comic Con. It made it such a happy experience. Well, she's iconic. I mean, her her interracial kiss in on television in the '60s was important enough for her to get a call at the time from Martin Luther King Jr. and it was it was. Important for TV, you know. Kirk, he was kissing everybody, you know. Green aliens, no one cared. White man don't care. Kirk kissing green aliens. As soon as he kissed that black woman, though, woof, set TV on fire. Well, you know, uh, they could fall back on the green alien was really just a, a, a white, white chick woman. with the green paint. But Uhura, you, you, but Uhura, you, you knew what she was. Yeah, you can't get that black off with Uhura. She, uh, uh, she was a. A powerful, beautiful black woman, and uh, she had a place on the bridge. And yeah, um, 
So uh, changing special thanks yeah. to uh, Nichelle Nichols and her people for making my LA Comic Con such a, a great experience. Yeah, yeah, I was just like a bystander in that, and and they were wonderful. So that was good to see. So I've got the the headshot that um, Nichelle Nichols personalized to me. Uh, I've got a copy of that sitting at my desk, um, right next to my wedding picture. Um, <laughs> How many women of Jack Fisher? <laughs> now you just need to get the Felicia Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I made choices. Uh, so at the cons, you frequently have to make a choice between standing in line for one thing or uh, doing something else or standing in line for a third thing. Right. So uh, I made a conscious choice to stand in line for my photo op of Stan Lee. And uh, to achieve that, I had to sacrifice the potential of getting uh, an autograph uh, from Felicia Day. Well, just based on life expectancy. I I, I was kind of playing the odds. Yeah. You know, there's, She's likely to live longer. She is... Uh, much more likely to be around for me to uh, have an encounter with her at another con. Um, and uh, just to throw out a, uh, uh, a mention, shout out to Felicia Day, uh, just saw an announcement today that she is going to be uh, a recurring character on The Magicians. So I don't watch The Magicians. What is that? Um, kind of... Think of it as a, an adult-oriented Harry Potter set in a modern-day world. Harry Potter got pretty adult in the last couple of movies. Well, uh, I mean, a little bit more sexually explicit and oriented. Sounds um, like the librarians. Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch that either. Well, yeah, I've watched librarians, and it's really PG. Hmm. Not even PG-13. It's pg so the magicians, the magicians. Uh, I'm going to give it. It's not uh, uh, NC-17 or anything. Is it like uh, network television after ten? Yeah, um, you know they they just have. Do they curse in it? They curse. Uh, there's implied sex. There's uh, no nudity, but you know, it, it is viewable on. On cable television, on is is this a Netflix series or? It's actually uh, on uh, Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, they can be pretty raunchy on Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, um, I guess raunchy. It, now, I, just uh, as a complete segue, have you watched uh, the Expanse at all on Sci-Fi Channel? Yes, I love the Expanse. Okay, um, so you know the the famous scene in the Expanse where the Two characters are having sex in zero G. Um, doesn't show anything, right? But uh, they're obviously having sex in zero G. Okay. So there's kind of an equivalent scene in the Magicians where you have two characters that are uh, they're both magical and they're kind of having sex in a dorm room and they're floating above the bed because they're both exhibiting magic, whatever. Um, Magicians float when they're in their pre-orgasmic states? Evidently. Evidently. If you're having sex and you have magical powers, you tend to uh, to float just before orgasm. Okay. Well, sure. So not nothing really, right? I mean... It, 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 not graphic. Just they, you know, they obviously talk about... Uh, 
subjects and uh, display subjects that were taboo in a family-oriented movie like uh, uh, like Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of sex in Harry Potter. You, there's virtually no sex in Harry no. Potter. It's like people spontaneously come into being <laughs> with magic, just like midichlorians or something. <laughs> And speaking of midichlorians, we got the Force. No, not the Force Awakens. It's Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which mm-hmm. which is a crazy title for the second in the next trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, where do you go from the Last Jedi? Yeah, yeah. The first normie. <laughs> <laughs> the Force is dead. The Force Awakens: The Last Jedi. Then the next one's The Force is Dead. <laughs> Uh, the maybe it's the force is hibernating. Yeah. Resurrection of the force. <laughs> I have no idea. The, the first Sith. What? I mean, who knows? It's stupid. I mean, I think calling it the Last Jedi sets sets. Well, I'm going to say a lot of things, but it's all going to be bullshit because they got fucking penguins, and it's it's just hitting me with a whole bunch of stupid stuff here. Apparently. The, Peng- penguins are the new Ewoks. Penguins are the new Ewoks. We, you know, best case scenario, they're the new Ewoks. Worst state case scenario, they're Gungans. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I'm just treating them like Gungans. And we got the evil beach ball in this one. We're gonna have like you know the be- the beach ball's evil twin. So we got a beach ball's evil twin and penguins. And apparently Luke throwing all this force bullshit to the wind. When we first met Luke Skywalker, all he wanted to do was get off that stinking planet. And he was ready to go work for the bad guys to do it. Remember that? Yeah. He was going to go join the Academy. He didn't care what they were about. He just wanted off that uh, dust ball of Tatooine. Now, uh, there are people that will tell you that the Academy was not aligned it was sure yes it it was not a strictly imperial institute but the rebellion was still the rebellion it wasn't something that he it was something that he was surprised that his friend joined you know so he was picking sides he was picking non-rebellion he was aware of the rebellion and he picked against it until you know his dad picked for him. Then he, uh, then he bought some droids. His uh, adopted parents were killed. And was that an uncle? Well, they were still his adopted parents. Sure. Even if they were related to him. So, yeah, Luke really wasn't fighting for nothing at the very beginning until you know he had something to fight for. Then he met Ben. Ben showed ben, him every, well, everything the went ways. south when he went Ben. He should have blamed Ben. <laughs> ben opened his eyes. If he would have just turned the little droid in, it would have been a very different trilogy. <laughs> yes. It would have been no trilogy. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this time that Darth Vader kicked this people, this planet's ass, and this rebellion, and they were finally dead. Oh, that's not funny, but true. Um Really, the Star Wars saga went all kind of lost on us. You ever see that show, Lost? I actually never watched it. Oh, okay. It, it lost. It was called Lost, but it lost its own way along 
uh, the course of the series. And, and, and in the end, people just didn't care the last season, right? So I'm going to equate that to Heroes. The The first oh, yeah, season yeah. was so great. And it just rapidly declined after the first lost season. Lost its way, lost its message. Yeah. Got kind of into itself with a whole bunch of writers passing in and out and making the story more gummed up. And you know, I don't know who the heroes Ewoks were or the Gungans. <laughs> but... Uh, You'll probably be able to think about it for a while and come up with its, its own Gungans. It was probably that time travel mumbo jumbo that they had Hero do. Hero, the heroes. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't on the nose. <laughs> but we got penguins. We got penguins. They're porgs. Porgs are flying off the shelf. The little puffin-type creatures that live on Luke Skywalker's uh, exile planet. He he exiles himself because he created a bad guy out of his own nephew. So it's interesting, though, that before the movie is released, you have merchandising and product that is being... It is what Star Wars is known for. It was the very first Star Wars did that. I owned C-3PO and R2-D2 action figures when I went to go see the first movie. Yeah. You know, it was amazing to me that I can have, like, finally see the movie starring these characters that I loved because I was a stupid little kid. (laughs) And now we're having that again. Tease us with, with just... So little of the movie and so little of the characters. Just flash us the characters, make them make those cutesy ooh, coo, coo sounds that whatever puffins make on on Luke's deserted planet, and sell a million a million animated puffins that roll around at Target for forty bucks each. So, did we have? equivalent Ewok merchandising. I, I don't think people really knew what an Ewok was until the... Return of the Jedi? Return uh, of the Jedi. Before the Return of the Jedi? I, I don't think they... I mean, we, they, they followed the same thing. You had like little action figures and stuff before its release. You have to have those on the shelves weeks before because when they see the movie, they're going to be buying those. It's just like the Phantom Menace, you know? We all bought too many Phantom Menace action figures and then we could kick ourselves after we saw the fucking movie. <laughs> This Jar Jar character looks really good. I bet you he's awesome. No, no, he's not. <laughs> Melt that figure. I just wanted to see Wookiees charge into battle. That's did, what I wanted. Did you ever see that? You never saw that? I don't know. The third movie, yeah. The Revenge of the Sith, you had, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds of implied Wookiee battle, but it was like a, a pull-away overhead landscape aerial shot when when the clone troopers started attacking them so no you never got a battle full of wookies yeah that's that's what i wanted the most out of star wars was... that's what i wanted out of return of the jedi but they gave us half a wookie you know for the same amount of makeup that you get in a wookie you get two ewoks <laughs> It's called the Endor Compromise. I, I, I don't think there's an economy of scale when it comes to, so, to 
Just Wookiees versus Ewoks. Leave that on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Indoor conference. <laughs> two Wookiees equal two Ewoks equal one Wookiee. The universe isn't fair. <laughs> Unless you consider that they probably paid the actors the same. a shorter salary. Oh no. No. All right, once more, I seem to have killed the conversation. I'm just going to have to cut that out. <laughs> We're going to have the National Association of Short People like, boycotting us. Well, uh, you know, there is no such thing as bad publicity, so... I don't know about... Oh, I guess... Whew, Donald Trump proves that. You could be <laughs> yeah. president with enough bad publicity. <laughs> That's what I say, you know. <laughs> Next time I'm just voting for President Kanye. <laughs> if Trump can do it, Kanye can do it. So is there something you wanted to talk about, dear leader? Um, dear Orange Julius? No. No, I don't want to talk about that. No. We, we were talking about uh, that poor uh, government contractor employee that was let go of her job for... For giving uh, President Pussy Grabber the finger. <laughs> we should all be able to say the words whatever Trump said, you know? So what, what was... Uh, do you remember the um, the movie Top Gun? Okay. What was... Uh, how was it that Goose described um, Tom Cruise flipping off the the enemy aircraft? Oh, I don't know, dude. He said something along the lines of, it was uh, international communications. Yes. Yeah, well. So this contractor is, is really uh, guilty of nothing more than uh, but, but this u- using international sign language this to communicate. so stupid. <laughs> His Japan trip has just been nothing but stupidity. He, he's just a moron. I mean, when you buy your education, you don't need to be smart. <laughs> We can take small solace in knowing that um, two previously Republican governorships seem to be uh, lost to Democratic candidates. Yeah, but that does nothing about the senators. It, it, it starts. There, there has to be a start. So we have to focus on winning one race at a time. You can take back the governorships. You can take back um, uh, state assemblies. You can take back uh, school boards. Well, we need to federally mandate a law against gerrymandering. Uh, That's the big step, but you can't can't achieve that big step until you achieve the little steps. Until you have control of... The governorships, and until you have control of the Senate and the House, you can't legislate a big change like uh, banning gerrymandering. I mean, because we need to bring up some civil suits for the, against gerrymandering, because in largely minority, in large minority states, they're not represented accurately. Correct. The, the, because of gerrymandering. The the people... Oh, okay, so 
gerrymandering is currently illegal if it's used explicitly for the purpose of uh, denying people uh, their vote because of their race. That's exactly what it's used for. But it is not illegal for the party in power to gerrymander for the purpose of staying staying in power, which is totally insane. It is absolutely insane that the party in power can try to preserve its stronghold and deny the will of the people, even if the will of the people says, we no longer want you. Now, um, there's a fine line between those two. And challenging those in court takes money. It takes lawyers, and it takes money. Which, um, it looks like maybe Republicans have more lawyers and more money than Democrats do. Wow, imagine that. You mean the the rich, white, corporate owners and overlords and land barons have all the money and all the lawyers? It is no different than it was in the 1800s. It is no different than it was in the 1700s. Evil land masters own the country. They always have. It's it's a matter of how, what degree that is true. Um, we, the needle swings back and forth. Right now, we need to take those small races so we can build to change the big things. And it's it's a lesson that the Republicans and conservative voters learned during the Bill Clinton years, during Obama's administration. They focused on the little races. It, it, it's astounding to me that predominantly black states are historically Republican. It, it, it's just the people of the state aren't being represented. Well, you know, I could also argue that the uh, that the electoral college denies me my equal vote. Well, the way the Senate is run weakens populist states in favor of states that don't even have a million fucking people in them. But we still have the House of Representatives to balance that out. That, that, that doesn't the house, really work that The House way. and the Senate structure was specifically set up so that little states wouldn't get uh, overwhelmed by big states. However, the, the Electoral College, it goes way too far because it comes down to California with the number of Electoral College votes that they have. My vote counts one-twentieth of the vote of somebody in Maine. So we'll call that the electoral compromise. (laughs) That we already have a system to balance out the needs of the little states versus the needs of the big states, and that's the House and the Senate structure. But the Electoral College goes way too far. It means in a presidential election, it takes 20 Californians to balance the vote of one person in Maine. Right. And and that's 
I get, the, I get the argument. That's so that way that the candidates won't campaign only to the 10 most populous areas. It goes too far. You can, you can do it differently. You can make it 10 to 1. You can make it 5 to 1. But the ratio right now goes too far. Well, I get it. I get it. I, I, I don't have to be convinced that the Electoral College is broken and should be done away with. I'm not entirely sure it's going to be better to go to a straight-up popular vote. And because it has, a, it has the potential to be crazier. But considering in the last five elections, two have went to the person who won the Electoral College and not the popular vote, it obviously a sign that the system is broken. You can keep the electoral college. You just the effect should not be so drastic. It it shouldn't take twenty of me to balance out the vote of one person that has a, well, it, a it, different ideology. Well, we go to an electoral college where winner takes all. If we didn't do that, that would balance it out. And. Uh, I just want to point out that my numbers are way uh, being pulled out of my ass. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for us for facts, you are batshit crazy. You no, don't no, look for us. What, what I'm inviting is for people listening to correct, to correct me. Oh, yeah, because that's what they what want. What is the real ratio? Right. Uh, is a- it 20 to 1? Is it 40 to 1? I know it's big, uh, but uh, feel free to correct me. Um, but if we went to a not a winner take all electoral college, that would be a more fair representation. We don't have to change things. We just we don't have to change the electoral college arithmetic. We just have to switch it to a, a purely you get what you get kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know. Man. Yeah, uh, what's the best system? Um, Popular vote is the best system. But then people are afraid they're not going to get represented. No one's going to go to Idaho or Montana if it's a popular vote. Why stop there when there's a whole bunch of cities that have more people in those states? Which is the, the fundamental argument for the Electoral College. Plus, this is the first time in the history of our country that more people live in urban areas than in rural areas. I'm... I would I would like to hear a, a listener comment on when that shift actually took place. It's, it was really recent. Yeah? Yeah. Was it as recent as 10 years ago? Was it 20 yes. years ago? No, recent as 10 years ago. All right. I, I'm uncertain. And I don't remember things. <laughs> <laughs> and neither one of us is willing to try to... Google uh, that while we're talking? No. the almighty That's Google. <laughs> Facts is for suckers. <laughs> Fact checking, that's for fake news. <laughs> Fucking fake news. Right? Now you're going to start imprisoning journalists for like saying stuff President Pussy Grubber doesn't want you to know. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter that um, several of his cohorts are currently being indicted more and more all the time. And I would be surprised if Kushner gets away with it. And I'm thinking Donald Trump Jr. is not going to get out of this unscathed. He's batshit crazy too. And, and, and Let's just say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, it doesn't. 
Well, I mean, this is President Trump we're talking about. This is a man who was christened the slumlord of New York in the 70s. Remember when we had slumlords? No. No, we didn't have them until we had Trump. Of course, most people won't remember that, and most people don't even reference that, but... He's he's the bankruptcy slumlord king of New York. You want you want to buy a steak? Maybe get a college education. Trump will sell you both of those. <laughs> I think the steak might cost you a little bit more than the college education. But uh, if you want to go golfing with him, he's up for that. It only costs you three hundred thousand dollars. Then you can have a uh, lunch at uh, his golf course and maybe weigh in on uh, domestic affairs. <laughs> Well, hell, you can probably listen in on uh, classified uh, national security conversations while. Oh, you you, you would be able to, yeah, because <laughs> he decides what's secure and what's not, right? He says. Okay, the now, president can't do anything illegal I, because I everything like, he does is legal. I would like to present this as an opportunity to shift away from the politics. Shift away from the politics. Uh, it's not our strong point. Uh, I'll I'll let you, the editor, decide on how much of that. Okay, uh, I will have you know that every time we put Trump in the podcast, our podcast <laughs> downloads more than quintuple. <laughs> and so that's probably because all I'll, the national security people <laughs> downloading it to to make sure that we're we're not dangerous. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I'm not sure if we need to multiply the number of NSA noobs that are listening to our podcast. Oh, well, if they'd buy some merch, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Come on, we love this country. You can't get you can't get stories like this anywhere else. You know, in Russia, they straight up just kill the journalists. Well, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Not yet. Not yet. But I, I believe in the weekly meetings, Vladimir's telling Donald, Donald, you have to take care of these journalists. <laughs> Just shoot one or two. The rest will fall in line. Right? So, Anaheim Convention Center. <laughs> <laughs> we keep up with this uh, topic, we might not make it. <laughs> Let's just say I don't want to be the first journalist to be made an example of. No, we're not journalists. <laughs> Technically, we are. <laughs> citizen journalists? We are citizen journalists. We are creating a podcast with information. I, I was a journalist long there. ago. I guess long ago, I actually was a journalist. Well, I... Is once a journalist, always a journalist? Uh, I would argue. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, and I had my share of death threats, not just from the President of the United States. <laughs> Mostly from locals. All right. But, yeah, so we're going to have to work on um, coming up with content for uh, the upcoming WonderCon in March. We need, like, like I threatened before, we need to get the live streams going on a weekly basis. So now, Monday live streams, Q and A's with the listeners, and if no one's queuing us, we will just be aing all over the place. <laughs> you are a perfect example of an A. Yes. 
Um, now, I would say that you need to set some specific goals. Yes, episode goals, character goals. Um, like I said, Monday streams. Like I want to do Monday streams. I want like everyone to know that Mondays at 7 p.m. they can tune into the Desperate Mothers YouTube channel and catch us live streaming. That that seems like a reasonable goal. If only it's the video camera on us and we're drinking beer. <laughs> but really, we could do that, you know. I mean, we could live stream from a mobile if we can hit, um, like, the Wi-Fi at the um, local microbreweries, too. We just put uh, the phone. I know the password. Right, right. We put the phone on a tabletop tripod, we drink beer, and we live stream from there. That sounds like an amazing plan. Why haven't we done this already? <laughs> well, because we're stupid. <laughs> that we've established that years ago. <laughs> Remember that one time I put a shake and a burger and a blender and drank it? <laughs> That's not a thing smart people do. <laughs> yeah, especially that people that have expressed a repeated interest in uh, sculpting their body and, and losing weight and All right, yeah. becoming a healthy individual. Yeah, yeah, that's a great thing to do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I do stuff like that, and yet I still lost on about 200 pounds. <laughs> like we said, we don't know my high weight was because I didn't have a scale that went over 400. So the other goals. The other goals. There are some specific sketches. There, there, there are. We have really solid characters and sketch ideas and premises and stuff that the well is deep over the course of these last couple years and these 80 something episodes from the desperate mothers we have developed and shot back and forth between us and soundboarded some solid characters you know every and i could and and some of them take more work than others. Right, like the Bunny Rabbit Strategies is a shitload of work. Yeah, that's uh, that's work that we currently don't have enough people to support. Right, because even if I did finish the main characters, building the main characters that I could, say, say I just knock them out this week, I mean, which is probably not going to happen. Um, I still need to train up other actors and puppeteers, or I need to get. Pe- I need to recruit people. You need puppeteers, you need voice actors. You need no, set no, builders. puppeteers are voice actors. We Aye. need to get that through your thick skull here. Um, one can learn the other. Come, sure, come in as one. You will do both. All right. Um, We're not training animatronic operators. This is arm and rod puppets. This is a lot easier than remote controls to to manipulate the mouth and face and eyes and eyebrows and that kind of thing. Let's just say puppeteers slash voice actors. Yes, sure. As opposed to puppeteers and voice actors. No, puppeteers is voice actors. So I just say puppeteers. Okay. I'll concede that point and we'll say you need puppeteers. Uh Uh-huh. You also need... A couple of camera operators. I know. I re- Well, I you, want you a couple sets. of camera operators. You need but I might props. end up having... Need... So we do and we don't. To tell the story, we need the puppets. We could freaking put the Cursed Woods 
as paper cutouts in the background as long as they tell the story, right? You know, I'm saying we need three-dimensional tree trunks and underground burrows and stuff, but you know what? We really don't. If I just throw up cardboard and acrylic paint and outline of what stuff is, people will get the story. Okay, but that's still a prop. I guess. It's a prop, and somebody has to make it. Yeah. And props have to be stored. Um, And you have to array the props in a way that communicates whatever setting you're trying to communicate. So in the role of prop manager, prop builder, and shot editor is writer and and puppeteer (laughs) and uh, me. The point is we need more people. It's like... It's like that episode of, uh, it's like that Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs Bunny plays all the characters on the field. You know, it's first base, Bugs Bunny, second base, Bugs Bunny, shortstop, Bugs Bunny, third base, Bugs Bunny, catcher, Bugs Bunny, pitcher, Bugs Bunny. Right? Except he had talent. (laughs) I'm coming up a little short. (laughs) My Bugs Bunny foo is not so good. But bunny foo should be your your strong point. It really should be. Yeah, Yeah, there's a reason I use that analogy. Now, you have other characters that take less. Considerable less. I mean, I I put Dr. Malarkey on the back burner because his sketches, every single one is a different premise. So we need different props and everything for Dr. Malarkey. So even your tiny little brain was able to realize that Dr. Malarkey was beyond the scale. It of... was an ever-changing set with props that I was not would not be able to meet. Whereas evidently it's taken you upwards of four years to realize that with the bunny, bunny rabbit, rabbit tragedies, tragedies is Something. beyond the scope of what you can do by yourself. Right, right. I'm concentrating on French onion. <laughs> I'm concentrating... On, on Jiggly Wiggly and his friends. I'm concentrating on... Um, okay, so at the moment, I'm looking behind the microphone. Those are Jiggly's friends. Jiggly's, for Jiggly's the green guy on A French onion. I, you don't see a French onion. I, I'm, I'm looking over there. I, at the moment, I don't currently see a French onion. Right. Possibly the single most... Achievable idea that you've had in how long have we been doing this? Uh, two, uh, two. This is two years, and uh, August was two years. Yeah, August was two years. Okay, so two plus years. Yes. All right. We got Jiggly right there. Yeah, this green guy. Okay. He looks pretty awesome. He he looks like the third or fourth generation of a puppet from a, a puppet maker there, there there are lessons that went into Jiggly well the yellow guy and Bart the blue guy over there they're even better I just have a soft spot for Jiggly <laughs> but yeah yeah, Jiggly's my kid show J- Jiggly's the star of Ice Cream Fun Day yeah it's got a theme song and everything and yeah. How many episodes of that have you shot? Uh, yeah, it's, it's none. <laughs> okay. 
Jiggly's this week. Okay. So. Jiggly is going to... Actually, this week he's going to open an Elf on the Shelf, and he's going to do an episode with Elf on the Shelf. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a few other toys he's going to do, and Jiggly's got some art projects he's going to do. Right. And Jiggly's going to make some um, some of that... Uh, what's that? Goo stuff that you make out of... Slime. Slime. He's gonna, Jiggly's going to make some slime? He's going to make some slime out of borax. That, and That is wildly popular. It is. Jiggly's going to make some slime. You need to ride that slime wave. And then he's going to put it in the refrigerator. And then that slime is going to stalk him. Mm. But it's going to be okay. Because you know who else is stalking him? <laughs> Elf on the shelf. So, and then I got that blender guy. Those are episodes that I can do. Now, I was I was putting off that blender guy because... It's not very funny. <laughs> well, it's a dry humor. N- it's, not literally. Well, I suppose it depends on what you blend. Right. Well, that blender guy was just making fun of the blender videos where people put stuff in the blender and say, like, that was the whole point of the video. Yeah. And, and the whole deal was doing that blender guy was he reads emails and he blends stuff. And that's the video, right? Yes. It's not, there's no, there's no punchline per se. It, the whole video is a punchline. <laughs> and it's not necessarily. It's a concept piece. It's. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, what's, what do they call it? The high concept? Yes. Like, but it's content. And um, if you give it its own category, people can choose to view it or not. Well, we'll throw it up on the Desperate Mothers channel. We'll throw that blender guy and this week, Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> and what's that blender guy do? He blends the Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> Why? Because people hate Elf on the Shelf. Because somebody wrote him and asked him to. Yeah, that's it. Wait, that's all this guy does? Where's the comedy in it? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we watch those videos, like they blend iPads or they make slime or... They hit something with a hammer, or they use um, a hydraulic press to smash something. There's no punchline. The whole smashing the something is the point of the video. That blender guy takes that concept and lays it bare. And I don't even know if it's funny. There's only one way to find out. I, cause I don't think it's funny. Like, okay, so I, I went to the Groundling School, and I did a writing class with... Um, John Crane, like the, the head, one of the head writers of Mad TV for a while, right? And we worked on sketch comedy writing, and that blender guy does not work. <laughs> it does not follow any attendance of a good sketch piece. But we've talked about this before. You don't know what's funny until you film it and you let other people watch it. Well, it's true. I mean, Lauren Michaels does that every week with Saturday Night Live. And mostly it's not funny. That's, But that's the only way you find out which one-tenth of your imagination works. And, and you're lucky if it's one-tenth, aren't you? Sure. Because it could be no-tenth. <laughs> well, I mean, then you keep telling yourself, okay, maybe it's not one-tenth, maybe it's one-twentieth. Right, right. Uh, when and I maybe make, it's when not one-twentieth, maybe it's one in a hundred. the one-thousand video, people are going to laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be one in a thousand. You know, 
if I can make one in a million, that's uh, that's an achievement. Okay, so we talk a lot about me talking about my sketch ideas and the comedy shows and the upcoming episodes on this podcast, and, and, and you caution me about giving away too much. I frequently but, do. But in a lot of my marketing yourself and, and you know creating a fan base and, and that kind of new video information, revolution, research stuff that I've been doing this summer... A lot of people say you want to engage your fans. You want to bring them behind the scenes. You want to make them a part of your group so that way they can support you when you finally do do this. Bring them in Uh, in the creation stage. You can create a sense of anticipation, but eventually you have to give it up. You can wear the negligee and the stockings and the garters, but... You're going to have to consummate the relationship sometime. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> you have to put up or shut up. Well, I don't know. It worked for... <laughs> and CG, I think now is the time for you to put up or shut up. It worked for what's-her-face in 1001 Arabian Nights. I mean, she went. <laughs> she got a good long run, right? Are you talking about Shahrazad? I am. I am. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the name was escaping me. I'm bad with names. <laughs> But yeah, right? It worked for her for a good long time. Yeah. Just think of me uh, as your as your comedy Shahrazad. <laughs> I'm promising things. I'm, I'm never going to leave you fulfilled. Because I don't think you'll come back if I give it up. It might not be good. You might not laugh. You might not come back for more. But if I build up the anticipation night after night, when you finally do laugh, you're just going to bust a nut. <laughs> The release is going to be so overwhelming. You're going to think it's the best thing ever. You're going to yeah. think I'm a fucking porg itself. Okay. So. <laughs> if you want to see CJ dressed as Shihirazat, leave a comment. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm afraid that there's too many people that would. <laughs> And seven veils is all I'm wearing, baby. <laughs> Feel free to suggest exactly what costume elements those should include. So this week, and, and, and I told you, I think the format that we're going to follow for the upcoming weeks, probably in the next three to six months for the Desperate Mothers channel, will be uh, live stream Mondays. Maybe uh, an independent podcast on Wednesdays and follow through with a sketch release on Fridays. It's an ambitious goal. It is, it is. But if we're going to really build this relationship with our fans, with the desperados, you know, you can you can write in. If you're one of the first fans, you can grab a free patch. We'll send you patches and... You know, maybe we'll start a Patreon if we think we can get milk some money out of you guys. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Patreon would be great because this isn't going to be a great big money pit for me. And <laughs> there's there's some expensive things that I would like to be able to purchase for more advanced puppets for, you know, bunny rabbit tragedies later on. But that that that's 
some blurry point in the future. <laughs> I I know what you'd spend your money on. You you'd buy cameras and lenses, and it would just it would snowball. <laughs> well, I'd really like to do is buy a few cameras capable of doing um, live HDMI out, a video switch, and then, you know, we can get some flunky in here to do, like, production when we do the live streams and we can get cameras on us. Um, also, when we do the live streams, that's when I want to do the crazy things like, you know, peep sushi, blending more burgers, um, all, all those crazy ideas. Those should be on the live streams for live stream fun. Sure. Right? They shouldn't be a big production. They shouldn't be like something where I'm editing it for like eight, ten hours because I need to get all these cuts in there to get the stuff. It should be a more fun thing. And if we had a camera overhead that we can switch to to show whatever gross thing we're or funny thing we're doing, you know, spin the wheel of pain and you're going to get, you know, sushi peep sushi or or grub worm cupcake. You know, what kind of Animal, can you stuff inside a Twinkie and then have to eat it? But I think those ideas were, um, as Matt has warned me before, that maybe that stuff's only funny to you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the kind of stuff that I think we can have fun with the live stream. You know, the live stream, we, we, we bring it to the fans. Wednesday, we talk about process and plans and Fridays we have a sketch video published with the amount of stuff ideas we have and if we can really come together with everybody like maybe taking ownership of a specific role or even ownership of corralling me on a timetable we could probably get this stuff done you know especially since we can do I can do a lion's share of a lot of the solo shoots on the weekend you know if it's that blender guy that's just me you know, that's me and three cameras. And I've done that before. I do that all the time. Sure. You demonstrated the ability to, to do that. Um, uh, Jiggly Wiggly, that, that's just another kind of me thing. You know, Jiggly is just kind of, it's not even on the Desperate Mothers channel. You know, it's just something I want to see if I can do. And it's all throwaway stuff. And mostly it's for me to practice my puppeteering. And also, I've been going back and forth with uh, FP Chef, you know? Do I want to do FP Chef as a puppet? Do I want to do FP Chef as a live-action show? I mean, it's kind of funny, FP Chef. I mean, some of the stuff that Adam and I were working on is really funny. You know, taking it as a live request show with, with the spoiler alert, <laughs> everything blows up at the end, <laughs> even if it's not combustible. So it's a ridiculous premise, right? You know? So we show you making stuff. We got the heads up Iron Man type display. You, you pull the finished item out at the end, and even if it's Rice Krispie treats, for some reason, it just blows up on the poor chef guy. You know, so when he reads that someone wants him to make a molten lava cake with a lot of sticky hot syrup, you know, he's practically in tears because he knows it's going to happen. But on the other hand, if I make it a puppet, then it's kind of like a cross between uh, a callback to, say, uh, Swedish Chef, right? You know? But Swedish Chef, we know crazy stuff's going to happen, and he doesn't really care because it's usually happening to everybody around him. What happens to Beaker? Well, that's Bunsen and Honeydew. Different skin, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Maybe. 
So stuff that I want to play with. Maybe we do both. Maybe maybe first person chef kind of has that crossover French onion kind of identity where we're going to do French onion videos with an onion on a stick. And we're going to do French onion videos with a good puppet. And we're going to do French onion videos with an animatronic puppet. I really want to do an animatronic puppet for French onion. I, I took this animatronic class webinar at the Stan Winston school online. And I'm just like, Oh, I need those skills. I need to take a week off and just do nothing but, you know, animatronics. Sounds like a plan. That's not going to happen. <laughs> You just need to take a week's worth of vacation. Right. Well, I'm not going to do it until we get the other shows going, right? You know, third generation French Onion will be an animatronic French Onion. Or I will hire somebody to build the animatronics. You can probably pay a Chinese factory to build you an animatronic. uh... I probably could. (laughs) Like some of the ones that make some of the stuff that I have made. So that's it. That's us spilling the beans for what's coming starting next week, I guess. Like I said earlier, that, that it seems that we've got plans for the podcast and the channel over the next several months. They will start next week. So I don't know how you are feeling to being up for live stream Mondays as well as possibly podcasting on a Wednesday. I mean, that's a lot of commitment there. I mean, granted, they're short. If we can make them short, like we can really adhere to a schedule, like especially with the streams, mm-hmm. those really need to be tight schedules. And I know me telling you that is funny, <laughs> but but if we live stream seven day and Monday, and we stick to that, you know, people can expect that, then that's what we give, you know, on a regular basis. So you're going for the live stream. Are we talking a a 90-minute live stream? Are we talking a 15-minute live stream? Are we talking... I was thinking an hour live stream. I don't want to suck up everybody's time too much, you know? I, I value everyone's time. I, I think your idea of a 30-minute live stream is an exceptional one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll see how that goes. You're right. You're right. The 20-minute live stream is probably a better idea. (laughs) So I'm liking an hour. (laughs) 15-minute live stream, I don't know. Maybe you're going a little bit too far there. Now, I I have to tell you, I've sat through three-hour live streams um, a few times this last week. So I don't know where you're coming from, but... 60 minutes is pretty and, and when I get into it when I start bringing out the peeps and the sushi and the and the little hot dog wieners and trying to stuff them in like um in Twinkies and stuff you might be down for the whole 60 minutes <laughs> thinking not but you know you never know but I, I want I, well, the reason I want 60 minutes is because I want to be able to Talk if we're going to talk, answer questions or interact with people. Because, you know, live stream can have fans, can have des- desperados might come in. You there, know? Can, there, there, can there are desperados out there. We know there are desperados out yeah. there. We've met a couple. There's the whole typing, the 
questions and comments and the live stream and yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the reason I was thinking sixty minutes, but I don't want to go more than sixty minutes. I really don't. So I would suggest that maybe for the first couple of live streams that you set a slightly more modest goal. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even um, do some dry runs or prototypes to get the feel. Live beta. <laughs> you like live beta, right? <laughs> so... Um, I, I, I can say that I am, um, not entirely opposed to this idea. Okay. We might need to come up with like a new, uh, live stream theme song. (laughs) (laughs) I actually saw advertisements for Fiverr on, uh. It was some network channel oh, yeah? on, uh, well, maybe it was a cable channel. I don't know. But if still, you... it, was, it was something not on yeah, the internet. It was something not on the internet. They were like saying, use Fiverr for for this and for that and for this. Yeah, we've been using Fiverr since the beginning. Yeah. We've got some pretty good stuff off Fiverr. I was thinking about contacting some artists and like doing some plates for my uh, Krampus poem. It, you know... Um, that I wrote last year mm-hmm. and I did that test video shoot that sucks so bad I never put it up <laughs> so we are coming up to that time yeah yeah with uh, um, Thanksgiving coming up and we've got we've got to do the Christmas episode and we've got a lot less mothers this year than we did last year <laughs> people have been dropping out <laughs> not dropping out so much it's just ghosting us <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, if we get three mothers together, that's that's an accomplishment. That's true. Um, yeah, we've had we've we've had five, as many four or five before, and that's been really good. But yeah, a- anytime we have three three mothers in one place, we can do some damage. <laughs> so if you want to see that, tune in next week. Um, Keep tabs on our uh, YouTube channel. That's uh, Desperate Mothers, The Desperate Mothers, at YouTube, youtube.com forward slash The Desperate Mothers. Or if you're always if you're looking for where to go, you can hit us up on the website at www.desperatemothers.net or uh, www.desperatemothers.xyz. we got an XYZ domain. Ooh, okay. I like that better, but yeah. that's ridiculous anyways. I was going to buy DesperateMothers.com. But the owner's squatting it and wants five grand. <laughs> Opening bid was thirty five hundred and I'm just like it's a domain. They're not worth anything these days. Yeah. You know? Spend that money on learning SEO. That'll be worth more than your domain. That aside, <laughs> let's start talking about SEO. <laughs> Screw that. That's stupid. Hey, thanks for listening to the Desperate Mothers Podcast. If you are listening, leave comments uh, in the comments section below. Leave reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. That really helps us out. We know we get downloads from not just Russian robots, and we do get 
hundreds of Russian robots downloading us. Leave your suggestions for what you would like to see CJ wearing during his first live stream. And, uh, uh, you know, feel free to leave any other suggestions for stuff you'd like to see. So, you know, long ago that would have really put me off. But, you know... (laughs) I did an episode of my channel where I show my excessive skin on the YouTube thing, and I was down to, like, my underwear. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say deflated 400-pound man in whatever, that would be funny. If it would be funny and people watch it, I will do it. I'll wear just uh, clothespins on my nipples. <laughs> I don't know. Can we show nipples on uh, on YouTube? I have before. Okay. Unsightly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Village Podcast. I'm Steve Watson, and I am Jack Fisher. Hop on. Call me Jiggly